0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the pilot episode of Unpopular Farms. I'm your host, Aaron from Cedar Valley Farmstead. And what I would like to come and talk to you today about is what this podcast is going to be. Um, there are tons of people like us, little, little farms all over the country, all over the world, and it would be cool to go international one day. Yeah. But this is going to start here in the United States telling the story of all of the unpopular farms all around us. The people that have you know, less than 10,000 followers online. There are huge pages all over every social media and they all have their niche, they all have their social media that they prefer. But I would like primarily to make this about all the little farms and their stories of how they started, everyone. I don't care who you are, what color, what creed, where you're from, if you moved across the country, or if you grew up where you are your entire life, and your family's been there for seven generations. But let's start by talking to you about our farmstead. So for many years, after I met my wife, I wanted to do something similar to this, to, wh- to how we're living now. Um, I built chicken coops out of the pallets that I got from my very first weld shop that I worked at. I I nailed two four-foot pallets together, got some plywood, and built a basically 4 by 8 by 4 chicken coop and made a little cage run for them. And it worked out really well. We got eggs and started letting them out, but as soon as we started letting them out, they didn't want to come back in. So uh, fast forward a couple years after that, and they all were dead. The squirrels had gotten in to the roof that was just plywood and that let the raccoons in and they left the door open and that let the skunks in and eventually all of my chickens were gone. So we waited another year or two before we tried it again. And this experiment just kept going because number one, we wanted to give these animals a better life than they would have if they were, say, like a big ag business, like if they were just a big industrial farm. Uh, product. We wanted to give them a better life than that and we liked brown eggs. We liked having the convenience. Chickens are fun. They're, they have huge personalities and they're just... they're just an animal to themselves. They're just tiny T-Rexes and you'll learn that eventually if you get them. They're tiny T-Rexes. But so fast forward a couple of years and the first chicken coop fails so we built the second one and we put a giant dog kennel around it and eventually uh, I think it was a a mink or a weasel of some kind. It was slipping through the fences and before my chickens could even lay their first egg, they were all gone. So another year passes and we upgrade the coop and build a giant, uh, put chicken wire, everything, and we made it into a chicken fortress. And everybody survived for a long time until they started eating each other and our chickens ate our turkeys and it was just a big mess. But we've we've grown since then. Um, As of now, it sits that we have Our little five-acre farm, which is about two and a half of cleared land, and I'm working on that slowly as I'm doing it mostly by myself as my wife takes care of our kids and takes care of the interior of the house and the gardens. So it's kind of a team effort here. Uh, I do the heavy lifting. She does all the pretty stuff and all the cooking for the most part. I like to get in the kitchen when I have time and like to grill, but mama takes care of the babies and the house, and I take care of the building and heavy lifting stuff, but right now we sit with probably 30 chickens left. We've had some predator problems. Two out of our 12 ducks are left because we've had, again, predator problems, but we're going to solve that here soon. Um, We have five quail, three guineas. We lost one of our goats two days ago. Um, She was very sick in a very short span of time. Uh, she went from frolicking two days ago, or, well, five days ago now, to being, compl- to dying in my arm three days ago. Um, but this is, this is farm life, you know. You don't always have the answers, and you can't save every animal. But, uh, we also, thanks to a wonderful farmer, uh, down in Perryville, we picked up a year-old Jersey calf named Betsy, so, um, We're continuing to expand, continuing to find new projects, continuing to find things to pivot with. And uh, my buddy Jesse talks greatly and expansively on pivoting with your businesses. But it has been a grand experiment. Um, It all started because we had small gardens and everything, we had experiments. And we were expecting our third child, Ellie. And spent the time in the hospital my wife had a, a a wonderful delivery she is if you haven't seen a woman deliver a child especially you know your wife or your partner whomever you love and you haven't seen this happen like you're missing out I'll tell you now it's one of the most beautiful things in the world and I'm choking up talking about it cuz I get to do I get to do it again here in September when my my wife delivers our fourth child but Ellie came into the world and we spent 3 or 4 days in the hospital in St. Louis and this was during the uh the advent of covid and arriving in the Midwest and the fear and the panic of that situation. So we left our home without a great deal of supplies because we figured we could just go out and buy new and that everything was going to be fine. But when we returned from the hospital, the next day they locked down St. Louis. So it was terrifying and if not for our wonderful family members, her parents, my parents, friends uh we wouldn't have made it because we couldn't get anything um, luckily Ellie was breastfeeding which Sam has done a great job with all of our children with that she I'm I'm just amazed and our children are so strong and healthy because she breastfed them it was it's just amazing what women can do in uh, any regard but anyway that's neither here <coughs> here nor there but Yeah, so Eleanor was born, they locked down St. Louis, and I looked at my wife and said, we can never let this happen again, and she was terrified. She had just brought a baby into the world, and we didn't have anything. So she agreed, and her wonderful dad, we live on the 100-acre farm that her father and her grandmother own, and we have our little five-acre plot right in the middle of it, and her wonderful dad brought up the bobcat, and several loads of dirt and cow manure from his fields that uh, we have 14 he has 14 head of cattle now um but brought all that up brought the bobcat up and cut a hill open for us and i had gone and cut down trees and everything he popped out all the stumps and we had a little area that we wanted a greenhouse and he dug that out for us and we created our first garden Um, we spent the remainder of the year buying lumber and building garden boxes and trying to contain the wild that is the Missouri hillsides here. And, uh, it worked out pretty well. We had a lot of failures because of it being a first time garden. Um, if you know anything about that, the first time that you try to make a garden, you're just going to have a resurgence of all the, the native plants that were there. Um, but we continued to work through it. We weeded continuously for hours and days and everything like that. And this was still while I was working um, at a weld shop because we were essential and I had to keep working. We had pipes to go to oil refineries and this was before they closed the the newest one. Um, So we had half pipe and pipes and all sorts of stuff that we were making still. And we were still considered essential so um, yeah, I kept working. And Every weekend we would work, every night we would work, because it was summertime still. Um, it had just gotten into summer because Ellie was born in March. But we kept working every day and every weekend, and we cut into the hill our little dream. And that was the start of it. We cut cedar posts, and I, made a, uh, I forged a draw knife to skin the cedar posts because the bark left on will let water in or let bugs in, and your posts will quickly rot, so we did the things that we needed to and figure out how to do these things by watching YouTube videos, and we just never stopped after that. Um, And we just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And with our goat passing away a couple days ago, Maggie, uh, you know, there are setbacks, and that was quite a heavy blow uh, to my wife and I. I was very sad. She literally died in my arms. I brought her back a couple times, but uh, she still passed. Uh, my wife cried for an hour. My children, who have grown up now in this lifestyle, were both just fine with it. They they were sad that she was gone, but they are like, well, that's what happens on the farm, Dad. It's like, yeah, yeah, you're some tough kids. But So we continued to expand this little farmstead and decided that we were going to make this our life that we were going to make this our business and this year we expanded our gardens we have um, what we call the perennial garden now is where we had started that was our very first garden we have used the chickens to score the land and uh, eat every bit of grass and weed and seed that they could off of it and then we planted those areas and because of their manure and because of their scratching it, it it's not tilling but they disturbed the soil enough that their manure and the nutrients got down in there. So we have production garden one um, where they were over winter. We have production garden two where they were over the fall because it had rained so much that we couldn't get the chicken coop to move. Um, So they were there for in the same spot for a long time and had burned up the land and scratched it completely bald (laughs) and Now the nutrients that they put into, we have eight foot, nine foot tall corn stalks and sorghum stalks there. We have beets and we have probably 50, 60 plants in the ground in the area where they were last year. Um, Now we have production garden three where we have yet to plant and that's where our uh, fall planting is going to be. We also have a potato patch at the very end of where they started at that portion of the yard. And... uh, we're going to replant that with some of the green potatoes that we harvested last week from that area. So we have a lot going on, uh, always. And I was on uh, Memoirs of an Entrepreneur with Jesse uh, a couple days ago and he said, man it's, it's like every day you wake up the house is on fire. <laughs> it's like well, we got, we got a very little amount of time to do these things and we just gotta get it done. You know, the cow gets out, gotta chase the cow through the woods for three hours. Uh, when we had pigs, I forgot to mention that we had pigs last year and overwintered them. And February we harvested them. Um, the pigs would get out; they're just so smart, and it, it was it was bonkers. Hogzilla, our first hog that we sold, got out, and luckily it was during one of my kids. It was during one of Reagan, my oldest daughter's birthday parties, and my buddy Casey was there. His wife Tiffany was there, and Sam and I, and all, three of, or all four of us basically wrangled this pig and exhausted him to the point that I could get a, a lasso around his neck. And as soon as I did that, he started pulling, wrapped the other end of it around the tree, because I couldn't haul a 200-pound hog by the head while he was fighting me. And he knocked himself out, uh, choked himself out, and he hit the ground. And I was like, oh, God, I just killed this pig and got the lasso off his neck. He was still breathing, so I put it around his foot. And if you know anything about pigs, they're going to go the opposite direction of where you want them to go. So I acted like I was trying to walk away from the pin, and he backed himself into it, and boom, he was back in. He spent the next two days sleeping, and I really had hoped that he hadn't died. But yeah, Hogzilla got sold to one of our manager friends that we met at the restaurant that Sam and I met at. So thank you, Jeff, once again. Uh, Jeff came out and helped me field dress and skin and... Then we hung it up, and that was a whole adventure in itself. We started at one or two o'clock in the afternoon and didn't get done until nine o'clock. And whoever tells you that butchering a pig is like a deer uh, has probably never butchered one or the other. Uh, it was madness. But in February, my brother-in-law brought a tractor out. We hung up uh, our two hogs, BB, who was bacon bits, and pork chop. And Bibi had been the runt. She was probably two and a half, three pounds when we got her. They had torn up the side of her face, and when we got her to the butcher, it was probably 300, 320 pounds worth of meat. So we were able to stock our freezer. We've been eating that pork weekly since February, and we still have we still have a great portion of it left. Uh Now that's that's the basic story of the farmstead. I know I ramble a lot, and I will try and wrangle that in. It'll be much easier when I have a guest and it's not just me talking, but that's basically the story of our farmstead is it's simple, handmade family living is our our motto. And Sam has spent a long time, probably four or five months, building a website from scratch and we're still working on getting our cart to work. But if you'd like to visit us, it is cedarvalleyfarmstead.com. We are on all social media as Cedar Valley Farmstead except for Twitter, it is CB Farmstead because it was too big, of a, too big of a name. But we have joined my father-in-law and his, his farm, which as soon as I find out the name of it, I will tell you, <laughs> uh, he is building his website now. But we joined up, he bought 200 meat chickens and 20 turkeys and we had bought, Sam and I had bought Joel, Sal- Joel Salatin's uh, Polyface Designs book and we waited in ever-growing anticipation of its arrival, and it finally arrived in probably April, I think. But as soon as we had that book in our hands, we got it to my father-in-law, and he made a plan. He bought the lumber. We built three chicken pods, and uh, we ran it back and forth on one of his fields, and the field looks great. It's grown up exponentially, it looks super healthy because some of the weeds are gone. And the chickens are all now in the freezer, except for probably 14. We had 14 that were too small, and they were 2 and 3 pound birds, and we didn't want to waste the effort that we put into this by just harvesting 2 and 3 pound birds. So they're still on the field in one of the pods. The turkeys are still in their little hut that Rick had put together and built. Uh, he did a fantastic job. It's almost like a, an aluminum carport that you can just drag across the field but yeah so we teamed up with him those birds are in the freezer ready to go and this is basically what we're working on is now that those pods are built Rick wants to take a step back now because he's working on a restaurant and uh, we're gonna take at least one pod maybe two maybe all three and move them up here and probably put them on the field that Betsy's on so that they can eat the manure and Clean that that field up I don't know I don't know what we're gonna do with that situation but uh, he also talked about cutting a field down uh, for hay and then letting us put the chickens on one of his other fields and seeing how that regenerates everything but <clears throat> that's what we're working on currently is just expanding the farm uh, we met with some fantastic ladies yesterday uh, I dropped off eggs at their pop-up for their bakery and they were asking do you Do you go to farmers markets, do you do this, do you do that? And I said, no, we haven't really broken into that yet, but we absolutely want to. And upon saying that, she and her partner were saying, we absolutely tell all of our friends that we have, you know, a solid egg connection that they're bakers and they do all this baking and take it to the locals' farmers markets. And they are absolutely down to help us make connections and that's one of the the more beautiful things about this and I would like to get them on the podcast. All right, brief pause and now I'm back. (laughs) I had to run up to the van and get the bank for the eggs and pull out the card for Simply Divine is what their name is. It is Baking Done Better. So if you look it up on Facebook, it's at Baking Done Better and they're in Crystal City, Missouri and they are fantastic. They're wonderful people. They do cheesecake, uh, cookies, customs and more and I absolutely want to get them on the podcast. I know it's on popular farms, but uh, you kind of got to live where you put in good and you get good out. So if you're a good person to me and to my family, then I'm absolutely going to help you to the end of the world. So seeing as how they're going to help us get into the farmer's market and maybe get more egg customers, I definitely want to give them a shout out and would love to get them on. We do have several guests, speaking of that, we do have several guests lined up, uh, some wonderful people. Now, I've been talking about this podcast for about a month now uh, on social media, and some wonderful people reached out when I said that I would like to do uh, another app, not Anchor, and these people said, well, we'll help pay for the first month, and the second month, and the third month, and actually, I'll, the the lady that's going to be probably our third guest, uh, she sent a check out to me, and then my buddy Jesse at Blue Ribbon Relics was like, hey man, check out Anchor, it's free, and I checked it out, and I decided to go with Anchor, but I still have the check, I don't feel right cashing it, and she said, no, just keep it, no, I'll this and that, let me help you, but I, I don't think, I'm not going to cash it, I'm going to make the decision right now, we're not going to we're not gonna use it, uh, I apologize to her, for, I already have apologized to her for Uh, the effort she went through, because she's a very busy woman. She's literally building her own homestead herself. Um, But I apologize for all the time and energy she spent in getting that to us, and she just laughed it off and said, no, it's fine. But we do have guests lined up already, and I would like to, I really would like to make this like a weekly thing. Uh, I'm crazy enough that I would record them for the next four days and just post them weekly. I think I do have enough time for that since Anchor is so easy to use, basically just record, edit from your your phone or your laptop and post. But uh, I think I can get, as long as my guests have the time to be on the show, and we can schedule it right, I think I have the time to do this weekly. It really is just me sitting here for an hour, talking to myself, talking to you, talking to the guests. So, and it may not be an hour every time, uh, people have lives and i don't want to i don't want to take that from them but so we have my friend Katie uh, her name is Alaska Katie online uh, she was the first one to say that she would she'd get the first month and then we have and then we have brassegg.com uh, that was a lovely lady that sent out the check for us and then we have my buddy like i said Jesse from Blue Ribbon Relics who had me on his podcast uh, Memoirs of an Entrepreneur it's definitely great to check that out. Please, after this is over, go check that out because uh, it's given me great insight into how others are running their businesses, how to market the business and all this because that man has five or six businesses of his own and brings on people who have multiple businesses of their own as well. And it's it's great to connect with these other people and to listen to their stories and to be able to figure out how to do it myself. That's another reason I wanted to start this podcast along with our YouTube, along with our social media. It'd be great to help you people who are listening learn how to do this for yourself, inspire you how to do it or inspire you to shop locally and to get involved in more sustainable and organic foods. But So those are the first four guests that I have in mind and then uh, our friends at Simply Divine, uh, Baking Done Better is their tagline. Uh, I would like to get these people on to say thank you for their generosity and for their willingness to help us to do these things. Um, and Going forward, I, I I don't know how I'm going to do this. I would like to find – I'll probably just start messaging people and asking them if they'd like to be on the podcast or for checking out their, their pages and their social media and everything. I definitely want to get on uh, one of the breeders that we bought the goats from, that we bought Whalen from, because they were so very sweet. Uh, if they have the time, then I will definitely get them on. Uh, and I'd like to get the the dairy farmer that we got – Betsy from Lynette, I'd like to see if she would like to be on um, to tell her story because that's a fantastic story as well. Uh, So that's basically it. I lined it out for you. We're going to go through the stories, the struggles, the victories of people like us, people that want to live in this manner, that want to take care of their own food, that want to take care of their own family, protect and defend themselves. I'm going to try and keep this a little more polished than I usually am and forgive me if uh, I have to put a trigger warning or a 18 plus on these, but I'm very passionate about keeping my family not only healthy but physically protected as well. Uh, we we control everything that happens as best as we can here. We We allow our children to watch videos that we pick because everything nowadays in in media is twisted and biased and it's programming in my opinion so uh i'm going to do my best to keep it posh and polished for you so that it brings more people to the table that we can talk to but there are going to be some episodes where it's just raw and it's difficult even to listen to because of the stories that are going to be coming up, because of the things that happened to people in life that led them to what they're doing now. So I hope that you will join us. I hope that this is something that interests you, and I look forward greatly to getting to work and talking to my friends. Uh, If I can get a hold of Katie and we can work on something for tomorrow or the next couple days, maybe even next week. We may just do it next week, but It's all about timing and scheduling because, like I said, her name's Alaska Katie and she literally lives out in Alaska and they are working their butts off to make their dreams come true out there. So, uh, thank you for joining me for the pilot episode, I do appreciate it so very much and I hope that you will come back and listen to the stories of these people, just regular folks like you and me who have taken more control of their lives back and that nobody celebrates. You know, these are little farms, unpopular farms, unpopular homesteads, and unpopular businesses that haven't struck out yet, that haven't been given the chance to become these big, huge, popular things. And I, I would like to put them on a pedestal in front of the whole world and change that. Uh, they deserve. We all deserve a chance. And if I can use my voice and my, my charisma, my 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 relatability to people and to their stories, to help them tell their stories that otherwise wouldn't get told, then I'm gonna do it, so. um, I hope you come back. I thank you so much. Please check us out on all social media. We are Cedar Valley Farmstead, as one word, Farmstead. Uh, We are on everything as that but on Twitter. We are Farmstead. like I said. Check out our Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, uh, Twitter, YouTube. Please go check out our YouTube. We have many, many videos Explaining how we do these things here because that's how we learned. So I hope this will inspire you to to try something new. I hope this will inspire you to take a little bit of risk because the comfort zone is where nothing grows. So this is Aaron with Cedar Valley Farmstead. and We are Simple Handmade Living and we hope that you will join us again. Have a great rest of your day.